Hi, and welcome to No Crying in Baseball, episode 96, the Ain't Baseball Great episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. It has been an emotional weekend. I'm a little bit of a case right now because right now we are mid-party. We started a party before podcasting, broke it to go into our interview, which you will hear later, and to do this little bit of recording, and then we're going to go back to it. It's, it's a goodbye party for our kids who are going off to college. So there's that big chunk. Plus, it's been an emotional week of baseball in the baseball that we've been seeing. We were at Nats Park a little late last night, right? We sure were. We're going to tell you more about the crazy game, which you may have read about because all the sports news outlets have been calling oh, it like really? one, like the one for the history books. Like this is the one you're going to remember all year. And we were there. Oh, so yeah. More about that one. But you had a special baseball game this week. Yeah, I got to go to another dead night. So I think on our last podcast... Not in a zombie way. Be no, clear. no, but I could do that too. But I think in our last <laughs> episode, I talked about the Jerry Garcia night that we had at Fenway. And then there was a dead night right here in Nats Park. And how could I not go, especially because they had these hats with dancing bears. I love the Which dancing I believe bears. may be on our social media right now. Oh, hey, yes. Right, both both in, well, the rally cap one you can't see because that would be inside out. But the, right. But I actually took a picture of Mr. Potty Mouth in the Grateful Dead hat on that night when he was going to get a beverage, I believe. That never happens at our baseball games. There, no, there are no beverages, just like we're not drinking right now. Absolutely not. And so I, I totally want to give it a special shout out to my new dead head baseball friends because I met lots of really cool people. If the Brooklyn guys happen to be listening, hey, you guys are awesome. We had a lot of fun at the music before the baseball game and then it ended and we we're like, cool, now we get to go to a baseball game. So it was just the best. And and just to bring the deadhead thing one notch further, did did you hear the Bill Walton stuff? Once you brought it to my attention, I went back and I watched it and oh my God. I, uh, yeah. My favorite thing that he said was, I couldn't be a catcher because I'm not good at getting low, but I'm really good at getting high. <laughs> I thought, okay. Yeah. I see where this yeah. is going. Well, my favorite one was he when he asked, honestly, what's the record for strikeouts in an inning? <laughs> and the other guy went, currently three. Currently three. <laughs> yeah. So got to love Bill Walton. That's part of my Venn diagram of deadheads in Boston because he was right. on the Boston Celtics. That's right. And showed that while he was, yeah. Showed his, his um, basketball and, expertise right. as he <laughs> was doing color commentary for a baseball game. Although I hear he does basketball pretty much on the same level. I bet he does. Mm -hmm. I bet. Well, I went to three games this week and every single wow. one of them was super fun. Nats won two to three, but I saw the first two games were against the Reds. So I got to see Aristides Aquino's eighth and ninth home runs out of his current 11, and he is the fastest to the first 11 career home runs in Major League Baseball history. I was there for two of those. One of those games, I got to watch Trevor Bauer pitch for the Reds, which was really fun because he has the craziest fancy pants pitches and I loved watching him do his trick pitches. And then watching him implode when the Nationals started scoring. Like that crazy. was good for the Nationals. But That's remember, good. I actually, I am a Trevor Bauer fan. I think he's an amazing pitcher. So I was really happy to see him do that. All right. Don't There's pick that. on him. There's can, well, you can pick on him all you want, I, yeah. but don't just don't bring me in. Yeah, your, I'm going to pick spiral. on his, his social media. You absolutely can. That is completely fair. On today's show, We've got boyfriends because we've always got our boyfriends. And the first one, Fernando Tatis Jr. stresses his back and kind of stresses our hearts. So we're a little worried about him. Kristen Yelich and Juan Soto and Matt Olson and, and Michael Brantley are all lighting it up. And we're going to talk more about that. I'm going to dip my toe into politics just a tiny little bit, but I'll pull it back out. I promise. It's just, just for a second, just for a second. 
Uh, Potty Mouth's going to preview the Women's International Baseball Tournament that's starting today. We're going to talk about the Little League World Series. And in that segment, we're going to, we've got one girl, we've got a little brother, we've got a female umpire, and we've got a scandal. So that's going to be fun. But finally, our special guest, Paige Hegedus, who is the manager of special events and affiliate programming for minor league baseball, is going to talk to us. And we're really hoping to get jobs out of it. Wish us luck. All right, so this amazing Nats-Brewers game that we went to last night that went 14 innings, and full disclosure, we lasted 11 of them because we were tired and we had this very sad, happy party to throw today, so we had to get home. we had to get up early. The Brewers ended up winning it 15 to 14 in 14 innings, but our boyfriends showed up. Christian Yelich is my Brewers boyfriend, and we got to see him hit his 40th home run. He hit his 41st after we left. But the historic part about the 40th, we also saw him steal a base, and those two things made him the first Major League Baseball player this year to hit the 40-20 club, 40 home runs and 20 stolen bases, and we were there for that. Your boyfriend, Juan Soto, was pretty awesome. Yeah, he's the one who got things going for the Nets. When things were looking bleak the The first first time, time. (laughs) it was the most seesaw roller coaster game that I have been at in I don't know how long but the Nats were down was it five to nothing nothing. and then Soto started the first rally and then the Nats went down six to five and there was another rally it was one of those nights but yay Juan Soto it was super exciting and uh, even though Victor Robles is not one of our boyfriends I'm going to throw it in here because now as we're talking about the game he is playing like a gold glove contender he has pulling balls down he is throwing people out at home he is getting things to third base way faster than you think they'd get there he's amazing right now but he's gonna get hurt at the plate and our buddy Blake was all over that hey Blake you know you totally called it he just he's a hit by pitch kind of machine but he's really gonna he's leaning in so much that we're afraid that he's actually gonna get hurt hurt so I get I guess it's it is good for his batting but it's not good for our stress level and I'm worried about his head you know, there's a good segue, though, talking about getting hurt. Oh, boy. I'm going to burst into tears. For I the am fourth so time upset. today. I, yes, <laughs> it's been such an emotional day. And now I have to talk about this. Our Hell's Bells friends out there, hey there, um, have been posting their sadness about, for, I can't even fucking say it, Fernando Tassis Jr. might be out for the season. That's not okay, because he has been lighting it up. He has been such a star. Yeah, and not only is he on my baseball boyfriend team, and I don't know if we did the the long explanation out there. For our new listeners, our Deadhead fans, we have baseball boyfriends. We each pick one guy per team who is the coolest, not just on the field, but very much off the field. I picked Fernando Tatis Jr. Follow him on any social media to see how cool he is. But not only did I pick him for my baseball boyfriend, but I picked him for Rookie of the Year, which he had a really good shot at as of three days before this injury with 30 few fewer games than Pete Alonso. And mind you, Pete Alonso, full respect, totally somebody who probably will get Rookie of the Year right now and is a very deserving player. But Tatis Jr. had 34 fewer games, 89 fewer at-bats, and he was still leading in hits, in triples, in batting average, in slugging, in OPS. Three days later, he's on the 10-day I.O. with a back injury, and they're just concerned. So 10, yeah, like go back to our prior podcast where we explained that. It could be a while. He's going to get reevaluated in three weeks, but they really said don't 
put your hopes up on that three week thing. They're going to want to really take care of him because he's their guy for the future. So they're not going to want to rush him back. If they were contending right now, seriously, you know, for a playoff spot, they may be playing more fast and loose, but I think they want to take care of him for the long haul. Sigh. So I guess I'm going to have to go with Urias now, who I hear good things about. Okay, ladies out there, Urias, should I keep him? I had two boyfriends go head to head in a game last week, and they both turned out pretty darn good. Matt Olson is my A's boyfriend. And as you know, Michael Brantley is my Astros boyfriend. They played those teams played each other last Thursday. Each of those boys had two home runs in that game. You can pick them. I can. It was a 10 home run game. Wow. Which I think we matched or beat last night. I think it was about a 10 home. I might have been oh, more wow. last night with the, you know, with um who did we play last night? It was the Nationals, I remember. And the Brewers. And the Brewers, and the Brewers. yeah, cuz of the whole Christian Yelich thing. Are you going to go into any juice ball theory here? I, well, I'm going to tell you this. Okay. Thursday when this happened, when each of my boyfriends in this one particular game had a two run who hit two separate home runs each in that game. That was the 32nd straight day that somebody in Major League Baseball had a game in which they hit two home runs. And I checked. Someone did it Friday, and we saw it happen on Saturday. So every single day for 34 days now, somebody in Major League Baseball, sometimes more than one person, has hit multiple home runs in the same game. Something's going on. I know it's fun to watch the home runs. Thankfully, we saw a lot of small ball yesterday, too. But after a while, you wonder, are these real? Yikes. Because they're like these home run records are falling like crazy. Are they real? Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Dipping my toe into politics for just a second. Ouch. It's okay. It doesn't hurt in there. You, okay. have, to, you have to pick and choose where you're going to put your feet. And the first thing I'm going to do is say, hey, remember when Yasiel Puig got suspended when he was still on the Reds, kind of right as he was transitioning to Cleveland? We talked about that kerfuffle. Go we, back to our podcast to go or two. That's right. So we talked about that, and he was suspended, and he appealed, I think, just so he could play in some games against the Twins, because Cleveland and the Twins are kind of neck and neck right now. But thing. as soon as that was over, he... He stopped his appeal, said, forget it, I will serve my time, and he used that time to take a citizenship test. Oh, good for him. He went to Miami, he took his test, he passed his test, so welcome, and uh, yay for you, American citizen Yasiel Puig. My other uh, political national news thing is um, Pete Buttigieg at the Iowa State Fair. He's not from a place that has a Major League Baseball team. Iowa is not a place that has a Major League Baseball team. And yet, while he was there eating fried foods of many kinds, he was asked his opinion about the designated hitter. Really? And okay, wait, shit. This is this is a surprise for me. Where did he come down? That was on purpose. Yeah. He's with me. Oh, man. And I got to say, so Pete Buttigieg has been sort of middle of the pack for me. This doesn't bring him to the top by any means. And hilariously... Find different articles from different news sources covering this because it's very funny what the point of view is. Um, Yahoo Sports made a point of saying, okay, guys, this is not really important. This is just interesting. Well, he's please not d- from a baseball state. So please, <laughs> please don't vote based on this. Okay. Although I do feel that there are a lot of people in the pack in the Democratic side. So maybe asking that question would help sort people just a little bit. Yeah. And so just to be super clear, you are anti-DH as a rule, and I am pro-DH as a rule. And this is one of these things that bubbles up every once in a while in our conversation. And what he said specifically was he thinks that people should you know, play all 
sides of the game and and that that's my opinion too so so pete has um i he's gone up in my estimation just a smidge <laughs> just a smidge he's you know I, we won't go into you know voting yet because way too soon don't base it on this people but i thought it was a fun question very fun question i'm gonna leave the country now <laughs> just just because that's what, what i was something gonna talk I said? about okay next. yeah it was it what i was me. gonna talk about next. it wasn't me it wasn't mayor pete it wasn't no, the dh no, thing no. okay all right just where are you going get, i'm gonna go to mexico oh, because i good. wish i could the international women's baseball tournament in mexico starts as we are recording today actually u.s and canada did a uh exhibition game that the u.s won with a walk-off is what nice. I hear. I think that was yesterday. But it's happening from August 18th to 25th in Aguas Calientes, Mexico, which is... Hot water? Yeah. Is that hot water? It hot is. Hot springs? It's like a hot I, springs? Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. oh, that I want to go. I really, we should be there. It's a World Cup qualifier. Next year, I believe, is the Women's World Cup year for baseball. And because it's in Mexico, I'll say it in Spanish. It's the Premundial de Baseball Femenino, which I really kind of like the way they say that in Spanish. Feminine baseball. I don't know. It sounds better in Spanish. So what's, baseball what's Femenino. Premundial. Pre uh, before that- before the, the World the world Series. Mundial is Spanish for World, world, right. okay, world so Cup. World Cup. So that's also oh, the qualifier. Okay, so that yeah. would tell you how you would word the qualifier. Oh, yeah. I get it now. And you know what? I'm it, learning so much. <laughs> there we, and you know what it should have been? It should have been the Pan American Games, which just just happened in Peru with all kinds of sports, including like beach volleyball. And I don't know don't what else. Don't say that like that's not a sport. Oh, no, no. Okay, I, good. I'm okay, just, I'm just checking. Saying all right. That if beach volleyball can make it to the, to the Pan American Games, why can't women's baseball? That was an issue. It didn't happen. So thank goodness there's this. Other thing happening right now, which is just as good, damn it, and it has a bunch of countries involved, Argentina, Canada, Cuba, Mexico, Puerto Rico, República Dominicana, Dominican Republic, the United States, Estados Unidos, Venezuela, and for the first time, Nicaragua. Wow, very cool. So the way that it works is there's a round robin, and then there's the top two who go for the the gold and silver and then the next two go for the bronze in a in a what do you call that not quite championship game and all four of those are the ones who will qualify for the women's world cup um right now the united states is actually ranked fourth in the world cup overall but you know in in as far as this group they're just second behind canada um by the way we just missed, and I feel super bad for not saying this on the podcast last week, there was a European championship for the first time of women's baseball. Oh, first time, really? First time. Oh. Because last year, the Netherlands, and I think last year and before, the Netherlands were the only European country that floated a women's team. But this year, France and Czech Republic floated okay. a couple teams. So they had championship in France, and France won. So France was the first team to qualify for the Women's World Cup. There you go. We're going to go from Mexico to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I'm going to stay in Mexico. Okay. Ciao. See you later. I'm actually going to be in Williamsport twice in the next week. So I have a vested interest in the Little League World Series. Number one, the Little League World Series is big fun because it's kids playing baseball. If you 
watch interviews with major league ball players talking about the little league world series, they get a little misty eye. Like, yeah, that was the best time because baseball was absolutely only a game. Then it was important and they were competitive, but they knew it was a game, mm-hmm. you know, and things get muddled as you get older, but they kind of get a little misty eye thinking about it. Here's how this one works. There are eight international region championships. So there were regional championship games all around the world. Eight teams, one from the championship for each region comes to this. And there are eight regions in the United States who have their own you know, championships within the region and the top, and the winner goes to Little League World Series. So the two sides of the bracket are the eight United mm-hmm. States regions and the other side are the eight international regions. And as they um, have their double elimination, then you get to play the top from each end plays for the, the finals. Yeah, you know what's interesting about the international regions is like Mexico has its own thing. So they're not part of Latin America. So there's Mexico and then there's Latin America and then there's Caribbean. So it sort of like shows where baseball is strong. And same thing in Asia. There's the Asia Pacific region and then there's Japan because Japan is huge. And the European region is actually Europe and Africa. Yeah, that's it's right. really that's right. stunning where lines are drawn. Yeah, yeah. You think gerrymandering is a thing in this country, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, it's a ten-day double elimination uh, tournament, and the championship is going to be next week on the twenty-fifth. So there's a girl. Why is this notable? Maddie Frecking plays second base for the Midwest region champions, the Minnesota Coon Rapids team, which won that that region. She is the 19th girl to play in the Little League World Series. There have been 72 Little League World Serieses. She is the 19th girl to play. She is the first girl to play since 2014. Don't you think there would have been more more recently? Yeah, that's kind of a bummer because I thought we were on a trajectory and so ouch. So who do you remember from 2014? I remember Monet Davis on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That's right. She, that? she was the pitcher. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. She was a star. You know what? There was another girl who played. She was from Canada, though, so no one remembers Emma Marsh. Emma Marsh, sorry about that. There were actually two girls in the Little League World oh, Series that I year. I feel terrible. Right? Yeah, me too. Me too. So this interview with um, with Maddie Fricking, the girl who's playing this year, um, she said she also plays basketball and she plays volleyball. And someone asked her about softball. Of course they did. You're not going to ask a boy, is he going to switch to softball? She's like, no, I grew up playing baseball. I like baseball. I'm sticking with baseball. Um, interestingly, Monet Davis has switched to softball. She yeah. is, she's playing at uh, Virginia's Hampton University, um, playing softball, and which is weird because she was a pitcher and pitching in softball is completely different yeah. than pitching in baseball. Here is a cross training fun fact for you though. Um, so Maddie is from Minnesota. The last girl from Minnesota to play in the Little League World Series is Chrissy Wendell, who was a catcher in 1994 in that, in that Little League World Series. She went on to become the captain of the U.S. women's ice hockey team, the team that won the the, the first time the team won the first the world championship in 2005. That yeah. was her. So he ate oh, for cross-training. Wow. And so perfect for you, like a hockey-baseball mashup. That's yeah, again with the destiny. Venn diagrams, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, tell us about Curacao. There's a team from Curacao, so that's the coolest thing. So the the Caribbean division includes countries where you have heard baseball players coming from, like Cuba and the Dominican Republic, and then there's Puerto Rico that we're not going to talk about the politics behind that, but they happen to be in this Caribbean division. But Curacao 
is the one who walked away with it. And those of you who have been listening to this podcast know that Curacao holds a little place in my heart because I decided to get a whole bunch of boyfriends from there this year. There aren't that many in the Sounds major Sounds a leagues. little predatory, but I know you mean it in a yeah, good way. It yeah, was, it just seemed like such a cool thing. So they, they hosted the Caribbean finals and they actually fielded two teams. Tiny Curacao had team A and team B. And Team B, I think, is the one who won. But they're they're on to a good start. I know they beat Australia. There must be a mercy rule because it only went four innings and they won 11 to nothing. Hmm. I haven't checked in since then. So hopefully by the time you're listening, they're doing really well. And our ability to make predictions is continuing. Uh, oh, one last thing about the Little League World Series. There is a woman umpiring. And that is significant. Because it's the first woman who's been umping in the Little League World Series since 2013. And talking about those um, those numbers, she's only the sixth woman ump who has done the Little League World Series in their entire history. Um, interestingly, she also umped in the NCAA Division One. only woman to have done that. Her name, very important, is Kelly... Did I spell that right? Look at my notes. I think it's Kelly Elliott Dean, D-I-N-E. And she's from Akron, Ohio. Some of the Hi, best people are Akron. in Akron, Ohio. We got to stay in Akron, Ohio when we did our uh, hangout at the All-Star Game. So hi, friends in Akron. And now the scandal, the Little League World Series scandal. Ooh. As we said, there are these regional competitions to select which team from each region goes to the Little League World Series. Well, in the New England region, the in the finals, it was New Hampshire versus Rhode Island. And the coach of the New Hampshire Goffstown team accused players on the Rhode Island Barrington team of stealing signs in the regional final. Now, here's the thing. Signs get stolen all the time throughout baseball, and it's frowned upon. Mm-hmm. But in Little League, it is specifically illegal. Oh, It is in the rule books that you do not steal signs. To define what stealing signs means... The catcher flashes signs to the pitcher to say, here's what I want you to throw. If there is somebody on second base, you know, from from the the batting team, from from the offensive team, they may be able to see these signs and figure out what they mean. People, they they change up signs all the time. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't usually happen. But the second baseman can then somehow communicate to the batter what to expect. This one's going to be a curveball. The bottom's going to fall out of this one. This one's going to be a you know fastball down the middle, whatever it is. Right. So the batter has a better chance of making contact. This is illegal in Little League. So the coach of the Rhode Island team says, no, we weren't. No, we weren't. And yet play was stopped during that game. And the umpire warned the coach of the Rhode Island team that this is illegal and that the manager and the players caught stealing signs could be ejected from the game. And I got to believe that the umpire saw something that made him think signs were being stolen or he wouldn't have stopped the game to tell them. So the the New Hampshire coach is still sticking with it saying, yep, they were absolutely stealing signs. Uh But it wasn't um, it wasn't like sour grapes because he said they were a really good team. They would have beaten us anyway. They didn't need to do this, huh. but it's bad form and they're breaking the rules and that's not okay. So in the meantime, this Rhode Island team has gone on to the Little League World Series. They lost their Friday game, but they won yesterday, so they are still in it. So there's your fun fact scandal at the, uh, I don't know, eight-year-old, 10-year-old Little League level. Yeah, and I can just imagine those New England accents. Yeah, that's my home area. So I can see a little bit of emotion behind that. Yikes. 
Today in No Crying in Baseball, we are very lucky to have Paige Hegedus with us, I hope I pronounced that right, who's the manager of special events and affiliate programming for minor league baseball. Paige oversees professional baseball employment opportunities, which is the official uh, employment service of minor league baseball. So you know where we're going to be going with this conversation (laughs) by the end. But first of all, thanks so much for joining us, Paige. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. We want to start off just knowing a little bit about you personally and what caused you to work for baseball in the first place. Yeah, so very unconventional path for me. Um, I kind of knew going out of high school that I wanted to work in baseball after kind of playing around with the nonprofit I created with my best friend and loved the community impact of that. And that's what I wanted to translate my career in after college. And so I got to college and I successfully avoided any opportunity in baseball, which is not what most people do. Um, but kind of played around with the idea of going into sport management, but decided to go more in the advertising and journalism direction. And throughout that process, I started attending a number of networking events, um, whether it was in baseball or outside of baseball. Um, back in 2013, I went to the Major League Baseball Diversity Summit, and that was in Houston, my hometown. So it was really cool to go to the Astros ballpark and network with some employers. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was a complete failure. Um, Didn't even really have a resume, didn't know how to talk to people, um, but walked away from that event knowing that I wanted to be in baseball and what I needed to do. And I said, if I ever go back to this event, I'll be better prepared and really like knock it out of the ballpark. So wait, how did you, so how did you decide to go there? Did somebody tell you about it? Like what was the pull in for you? So I woke up um, and I came down to the breakfast table and my mom was like, hey, um, I know you want to work in baseball. There's this diversity summit going on downtown. Be ready in like 15 minutes because I'm going to drop you off. And I was like, oh, okay." Oh, huge props to your mom. We're both in a very like very sensitive mom moment right now as our kids are about to leave for college. So we're all about the mom being a good influence thing. Oh, yeah. She, number one supporter throughout this whole career search, and I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for her. And so, oh, yay, because of her, I'm here. (laughs) So you have a very long job title, Paige. What does it actually mean? That is a great question. I'm still trying to learn that myself. (laughs) (laughs) So on the special events side, I um, work on our marquee events. So we have the MILB Innovator Summit, which is every September. So after the season, all the MILB executives come together and just kind of talk about best practices and idea share. And then in December, we have the baseball owner meeting. So I oversee housing registration for that event. And then I also oversee programming and event logistics for the PBO job fair. That's a lot of things. It is minor league baseball. Everyone wears a lot of hats. So... So how does that work on a day-to-day basis then? Do you have a typical day? Do you have something that you usually do or is it always something new? Um, I have seasons. So from like January to March is a lot of research and regrouping about our events from the previous year. And that's when we start building websites and marketing materials. That's when I do a lot of my college recruiting. So I'll go out to different campuses to kind of talk to students about what it's like to work in minor league baseball. And then from really April all the way till this time of the year, again, just promoting our events and getting everything in order. And then from July to the end of the year, it's just crazy event season. So I'm constantly talking to our hotels and our executives and being the point of contact for registration and all the marketing for our events and then actually going on site for our events. So there's not really an off season anymore, but it definitely keeps things interesting. 
When you go out to colleges, are you going specifically to sports marketing programs? Because you said your path was sort of like the journalism, you know, marketing, all that stuff. So where do you like what's your entry point when you go to college kids? Yeah, so we try to target schools that have sport management programs just because those students understand what it's like to work in the sports industry. You know, in the beginning, it can be low pay and long hours and you don't really have a summer anymore. But so they understand it's easy to get in with them. But with minor league baseball, we accept all sorts of degrees. So we kind of just want to get in front of anybody and everyone. You know, with my background in journalism and I knew I wanted to be in sports, I didn't really know how to transfer those skills. Um, So we're just kind of out there just spreading the gospel of minor league baseball. So we'll talk to anyone who wants to listen. The Church of Baseball. I've heard that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of outreach is specifically in place to attract women into baseball jobs? We have maybe a vested interest in this. Yeah. So um, we have our Women in Baseball Leadership Committee and you know, part of our mission statement is we want to recruit, retain, and elevate our women. So in the recruit process, anytime I go out to school, they love to just highlight some of our awesome assistant general managers and general managers who are female and just kind of talk to them about what we're doing as an industry to continue to elevate our women. So we have a number of events throughout the year. So anytime I talk to, you know, job seekers, I'm telling them what we're doing for them. And then if they're able to get that full-time position in minor league baseball, then they have all these resources at their fingertips. And then we're going to continue to elevate them no matter where they go in baseball. I like that you don't just sort of bring them in and leave them there, right? <laughs> yeah. there, there's like the program, like now that now that you're in, let's keep you. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in baseball, there's a lot of turnover, but then there's some awesome executives who devote their entire career And so, you know, we saw that a lot of females kind of get stuck in that director position. And so we're saying, well, like, how do we how do we continue to push you to that AGM or GM level or even that ownership group? And so we're just continuing to find out ways and, you know, bringing men into the conversation because our industry is still very much male dominated. And once we have their voice behind ours, then we just get louder and louder. That's such good news. And that makes me wonder, sort of, when did this push for a women's committee start? Like how, how much has this been going on? Where did that come from? Yeah. So Heather Rayburn, um, she is the director of partnership uh, marketing here at the headquarters. And back in 2008, her and a number of female executives across the industry got together and created the women in baseball leadership event, which is held every year at the baseball winter meetings. So we're going into our 12th event and that really kicked off um, having those conversations about moving the needle for women And then from there, you know, we have our committee of seven to eight full-time employees here, and we've just completely branched off into different areas. We have our Lyft mentorship program now, so we have our first class going this year, and we're starting to get ready for that 2020 class where we bring in lifters who have been in the industry for four-plus seasons, and then our liftees who are kind of the new crop and the rookies, and so we pair them together and just kind of continue to elevate them, and we have Cocking Connections, which is every fall, and this is the one event that we bring men into the room and we talk about those sensitive topics. Um, that's been incredibly successful. And we're just continuing to look for ways and different resources that we can provide for women. Are there similar programs for other possibly underrepresented groups, like for front office jobs in baseball? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we have our diversity initiative and that is now spearheaded by Belisha Montgomery. And we have our field program. So fostering inclusion through leadership education and development and that's where we bring minorities and females um, and they do a one week long program where we kind of teach them the ins and out of working in baseball and doing sales training 
And that's really targeted towards those groups. And we keep it top of mind. And uh, Vince Pearson, who was in the director role beforehand, really spearheaded and grew the and are keeping diversity and inclusion top of mind with our executives. And it's something that we keep in mind and we want to keep pushing as we continue to hire and recruit students to work in minor league baseball. So would you give different advice to young people in school about how to work towards a career in baseball than, say, maybe two women of a certain age in reading glasses who have a podcast who might be interested in a later midlife crisis job change? And so basically what we're asking is, what, what's our future for <laughs> looking at stuff in minor league ball as much as the young kids out there? How's yeah, the age span? It, it definitely is different messaging for, you know, fresh out of college students. But for those who want to, you know, make a career change, we've had a number of executives who came on way later. And um, so I welcome the both of you to apply and maybe come <laughs> to the job fair in December. Oh, where's uh, the job fair? It's going to be in San Diego. So I heard on a previous podcast, you guys are trying to get out to San Diego. So this could be your opportunity. I like that we can do some double duty. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to give a special shout out to our friends in San Diego now. You guys, first of all, you guys should attend this. And also, <laughs> you want to have some bunk mates for the for the duration, huh? <laughs> you yeah, said- so the job fair is held in conjunction with the baseball winter meetings. Um, and this is where we have on average 400 to 500 jobs posted. And job seekers have the opportunity to directly apply for those positions on site, interview, and then potentially receive job offers. So Positions range from entry-level internships all the way to full-time positions. So these are the winter meetings for Major League Baseball, and this is a piece of that. It's not a separate set of meetings, right? Correct. So there's the minor league baseball side of winter meetings, and then there's also the Major League side. So on the Major League side, that's kind of when they're dealing with all the players and the trades and the Rule 5 draft and other important meetings they have going on. And on the minor league side, all of our executives also have league meetings, but then we have the PBO job fair and then we have the baseball trade show with over 250 exhibitors each year. That sounds like a lot. You know, I just want to ask, where do you see yourself in, say, five years? What do you see your career path as the future? Ooh, that is a really good question. (laughs) Um, Would love to stay in minor league baseball. Um, I think it is captured my heart and I love the executives and I think it's a one-of-a-kind camaraderie in minor league baseball and whether I stay at the league office or if I decide to go on the team side I'm not really sure I every time I meet it with our executives I'm like oh I really want to go pull tarp with them and then other times I'm like oh but I really like being a service to you guys so mm-hmm. I think as long as I still get to stay in events or and I'm still in minor league baseball I'll be completely content in the next five years. Is there a a call-up sort of thing? You know, players start in minor leagues and get called up to the majors. Is there a similar path for executives who are working in the minor leagues? I think it can go two ways. I think working in minor league baseball, as I've, you've kind of noticed when we're talking about my roles, we wear a lot of hats. And so if you enjoy having a lot of responsibilities and not doing the same thing day to day, then minor league baseball is a better fit for you. And if you want to be more specialized and focused in one area, so let's say you want to do community relations for a major league team, you're most likely only going to be doing community relation functions. And so we've had a lot of executives who have come into minor league baseball and have decided to go to major league teams. And then we've had a number who say, I got in minor league baseball and this is where I want to be. So it can kind of be like the road to the show platform, but I think it's just you can't even compare the two because it's a different experience when you're working for the clubs. Wow. I don't know how I would choose. I guess I'd have to get my feet wet. I guess I have to go to San Diego. 
you had said that when you first started going to this this initial job for you went to to you did everything wrong. I'm guessing you went back and did it right. I did, yeah. So in 2016, um, right before I graduated, I went all the way out to Phoenix and did the diversity summit. Had a number of interviews with major league clubs because I grew up in a major league town, so I thought that's what I wanted to do, and they were great. Um, but I didn't walk away with any job offers. And through going to the diversity summit, I was on a new LinkedIn group and the man who started the event, he kept sending out different job opportunities and along came an internship at the minor league baseball headquarters and it was in special events and I was desperate and wanted to get in baseball. So I remember emailing the guy in all caps, very aggressively, please forward my resume because I want this opportunity. So I don't know why they contacted me, but they did. And from there, I just kept interviewing with everybody at our office and loved the culture and loved what they were going to provide and how I was going to grow. And it was a no-brainer when they offered me the internship to come down to St. Petersburg, Florida. I just I hear a lot of just jumping in with both feet and a lot of enthusiasm on, on your behalf. And, and it seems like that's really pushed you to where you are now and is going to hold you well in the future as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a grind. And, you know, I worked really hard and didn't know what was going to happen after my internship. So I felt very honored that they offered me full time and to be able to grow from intern to coordinator to manager in the last three years has been very humbling, but also very exciting and just kind of look to see my growth potential in the next few years. I very much like the, hey, I screwed up and here's what I did to fix it. I think that's a really important lesson. I think a lot of people could have had that initial experience you had and said, oh yeah, no, I screwed up. I got to go try something else somewhere else. Oh yeah. And I think, especially with now that I run a job fair, I see a lot of job seekers come the first year they don't know what they're doing because it's incredibly overwhelming. There, you know, there's three thousand baseball executives on site. Oof. How do you how do you navigate that? And you know, most some come back and then some each year. It's kind of a whole new fresh group. And try it out once. Network, make some friends, figure out the flow. And I know it's a huge investment to constantly travel and go to these events, but our executives love hiring PBO job seekers. They understand they are investing in this and they're serious about working in minor league baseball. So if you come back for year two, you get to have that experience under your belt and say, this is how I'm going to approach it. And most are incredibly successful the second year if they come back. So you just got to try it out. Fantastic. So once again, what what are the dates in San Diego? I don't know if we got those. Yeah. So Sunday, December 8th is where we kick everything off. Okay. And then it goes to about the 11th. All right. And if there's any listeners out there who are interested in getting involved and maybe connecting with you but can't make it to San Diego, where would you point them? Yeah, go to pbo.com and you'll find all the information and all of our contact information. And I'm more than happy to hop on a phone call with job seekers if they've got questions. Thank you so much. This has been really fantastic. I wish we had more time, but I appreciate you hanging out with us today. And I'm hoping that out there, there are some people listening who are going to be contacting you about jobs in the future. I might know a couple right here in this room. Who might be leaving this recording to go work on their resumes (laughs) just a little bit. It's been a while since they've been brushed up. Well, I'm more than happy to print off name badges for you ladies, so you just let me know. Ooh, fantastic. (laughs) I I love that potty mouth name badge. Can we hook that up? I need a (laughs) potty mouth. absolutely. That would be fantastic. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, Paige. We're going to have to take off now, but hopefully we will be in touch soon. Thanks, Paige. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
So this week we're going to be a little teary. So you know, send, a lot send, of teary. Well, I'm, I'll be a little potty mouth. Will be a lot. It's okay. <laughs> Talk to me the next week. That's probably when I'll be teary because the kids are going off to school. So my kid is going to up in upstate New York, which means all roads go through Williamsport, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so this whole World Series thing we told you about a little while ago, I'm driving through it. So I'm hoping that everybody's going to be in games when we're on our way up so we won't be sitting in traffic in Williamsport. But on the way back, if I have time and it looks like a good time, I may just pull over and catch a few innings of a Little League World Series game. So I will report in from the road if that happens. Nice. I get to drive my offspring to New York City. You might know how much I love New York City being a Red Sox fan, but I am leaving my my child there in prime Yankee territory. She promised not to become a Yankees fan, but uh, there she goes. And that's going to happen next weekend. So the next time that we're recording, I'll be even more teary than I am right now. I believe in you. You'll be strong. We have each other. We'll yes. be all right. And there's still baseball. And there's still baseball. And the Nats have a good shot at the playoffs. So I'm going to hold hold my hopes behind that. That'll keep us busy. I'm and going to work. There's always fantasy baseball in the meantime. Oh, shit. Yes. Fantasy baseball. Actually... I'm doing better, except for <laughs> except for on the platform last night. So, like as Patty said <laughs> earlier in this podcast, we stuck it out with the 11th. I thought it was we, we stuck it out through 11 innings. We're on our way to the Metro, and I'm like, "Damn it, Tatis is hurt, Gurriel is hurt." I was supposed to switch my lineup today, and I look at my phone, and it was 12:01, and 12 o'clock, of course, is the witching hour. So. Yeah, miraculously, though, I'm not in the basement anymore. I'm up to sixth place. That is not going to last until next week. The leftovers with whom I share this house, who was not happy about the way I referred to him last week. I love you, honey. You're in first place. Wombo is close behind. Patty, you are close behind. That first place uh, slot, I think, is going to be competitive for the rest of the season. I do think so. And hey, so if you have kids going off to school this week, we'll be thinking of you too. We know what you're going through. If you have baseball to watch, please do that. Feel free to listen to some back shows of ours if you're new to our podcast to see what we've been up to while you were doing other things. Tell your friends about us. If you have a chance to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're not an Apple user, you can go over to Stitcher or Spotify and find a place to leave a a review there that really helps us. In the meantime, you can find us on social media on Twitter at what are we? NCB. We're NCIB podcast on Twitter and No Crying in B-Ball on Insta and Facebook. Did I sound like one of the kids? You sound like you're trying to sound like one I'm of the kids, which so is hard. almost yeah. as good. So until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.